0: pattern that we find in Revelations 21 and 22. And that revelation, or that, that insight that John, the revelator, received in that, in that visitation when he was taken to heaven and saw the order and the pattern of heaven, that's what, that's, that's the insight of what your eternity is going to be and what our eternity is going to be. Susan and I were at a, and Dan were at a memorial service yesterday for uh, a man named Jim Roberts, and he did come here off and on, and, and I won't get through his story for uh, his testimony, and, uh, but he got saved in, in the little church I was pastoring many, many years ago in southeast Portland, Oregon. A, a man named Mitch Fox led him to the Lord, and I remember the day he brought Jim in and his family, and, and uh, now almost, you know, 40-plus years or whatever it's been, um, the Lord took Jim home. As a matter of fact, Jim had a key to the church. Pastor Larry gave him a key. And he would come in here and pray because he lived not too far from here, I guess. And um, uh, Jim, now, if he were to talk to you, he would tell you it was worth every single effort that ever happened in my life to follow Jesus. And our eternity is patterned there in Revelation 21 and 22. But there is a likeness. There's that pattern that about how we should live as kingdom believers. I, I actually um, take it out of 46 of Ezekiel and 47 of Ezekiel, and it becomes a pattern of how church operates. That's the way uh, we're, we're breaking it down a little bit, and, and it's the supernatural way of the life for the believer. Um, so, last week, we were going through 46, and I'm, I'm not going to try and rush this it's not that oh man, it's the greatest teaching ever. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, there's just a lot of stuff here that I want to I want to get out um, into the atmosphere here, into the body life of this church, and uh, where we've ended up last week was on the free will the free will offering, and um, oh, I'm going to move on. We're in, it's Ezekiel 46:13, and I'm I'm going to try my very best to get over to Ezekiel 37. So I'm going to go through these first few points pretty quickly. But in Ezekiel 46:13, it's the indication. It's the it's the, it's the four, uh, forerunner pattern as followers of Jesus that we live every day in the presence of God. So Ezekiel 46, 13, just go there, it'll be up on the board. You shown daily, everybody say daily. daily. Now this wasn't, yeah, they would have yearly sacrifices. They were a time where the high priest would come and once a year he would go in and all this. But as you go through Leviticus, Deuteronomy and the numbers and all of that, you'll see that the, the uh, Judaism, the code, the mosaic uh, pattern, the pattern that Moses would, was shown, It's it was for them and it helped them as a people to survive and live and have culture and all of that in their day. But really it was a supernatural pattern to what, kingdom life for believers in the in the time before jesus second return it was a pattern this is this is how it should look this is how it should be done so here in verse 13 he said you shall daily make burnt offerings to the lord of a lamb of the first year of without blemish how many know? how many you know what what that's in you know what that pattern there is right we just talked about it in communion so every day um, there would be an offering of a lamb of the first year, a, a spotless lamb and he said you shall prepare it every morning What's he talking about? He wasn't just a bloodthirsty God. No, this was, this was saying, this is what life is going to be. This is what kingdom life is going to be for those who follow the Savior in the hour and the day that we live in, is that we have the, not only opportunity, but we have the, the invitation and the great um, uh, privilege to live every day in the presence of God. That is, it's not just a religious thing that we do on Sunday morning by coming to a place like this. It's so much more than coming to a place like this. Every day we live in the presence. And Uh, that's what you need to be striving for in your life. I want to every day sense and have, and if it's not even feeling or experience, I know it by faith that every day, every day my life is under the covering of what Jesus did on the cross, under the Lamb. The next part in verses 19 and 20, the inner workings of the Holy Spirit is what sets you apart. Verse uh, 16, he said, Thus says the Lord God, If the prince gives a gift of some inheritance, Excuse me, we're going to go to the next one. I jumped ahead. In verse 16, your inheritance is eternal. It starts now, but it never ends. Your inheritance is eternal. The moment you accepted Jesus, you started moving into your eternal inheritance. It's not like, God, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to hang on down here and barely make it, and man, when I finally uh, die and leave this world, then I get in, and man, it's going to be so great. No, your inheritance starts right now. Thank God that we get to partake of the inheritance. We, might, we don't have the fullness of it, we're still uh, in this world that has a lot of issues that impact us, but our, our eternal inheritance it's, our inheritance is eternal, and it starts now, but it never ends. So 16, he says, thus says the Lord God, if the prince gives a, gives a gift of some of his inheritance to any of his sons, it shall belong to his sons. It is their possession by inheritance. But if he gives a gift of some of his inheritance to one of the servants, it shall be his until the year of liber- liberty, after which it will return to the prince. What he's saying is, well, let me just read it, because he makes it clear what he's saying but an inheritance shall belong to his sons. It shall become theirs. You know your sons and daughters, right? The enemy hates your identity as a son. He wants to make you feel like you're fatherless, He wants you to make you feel like God, uh, you know, just kind of pushes you aside, that you really don't care, that as a daughter, well, yeah, you're okay, but I really love these ones over here. He wants you to think that, man, Israel got it all, and the Gentiles didn't get it, they got second rate, or if you're a Jew, they want to, uh, the enemy wants you to think, well, yeah, you're a Jew, and now you're second rate now, and the Gentiles got it all. That's all lie stuff from the enemy, because your inheritance is an eternal inheritance. And so he says, more on verse 18, the prince shall not take any of the people's inheritance by evicting them from their property. What's he talking about? It's just, the, it's just the pattern, it's the indication. The enemy does three things. You know what they are, right? Stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what this is all about. In the kingdom, the enemy does not have the right to come in and steal from you. Now, if you leave your stuff laying out where it shouldn't be laying, and I'm not talking about literal stuff, I'm talking about just your life and all of that, if you open doors, if you have things out there, yeah, he's a, he's a thief, he's sneaky, he's all, he'll come and take it, but that's not, that's, not, that's not God's plan. The enemy doesn't have a right to come and steal your stuff, your life, plunder you. If he does, the Lord says he's got to repay it, and it's not one-to-one. The enemy is not in charge of when you die. God's in charge. He's the one that says, "I numbered your days before you were born. I knew how many you're going to have." And so this whole thing is that he's saying, for my people, their inheritance, even if it gets, even if it gets sidetracked, there's a way to get it back. The year of liberty, the year of jubilee. You probably most of you know about it. I kind of wish we still had it here, but you know that's been 19 years ago. So every 50 years. All your debt was canceled. I know what you're thinking right now. So about year 48, I'm going to run my credit cards up. I'm going to just, I'm just going to, no, not about that. I'm already talking here, okay. The prince, he decided, you know what? I love my servant. I'm going to give him five acres back here. But that was, that was given to him by lot. whole great teaching won't go over. They just, they let the Lord decide where their inheritance was. But there was a pattern, if, if, if the prince wanted to bless somebody, he said, okay, you've been a good servant, I'm going to let you have this back here. But when the jubilee comes, it comes back. Not because you're a bad servant, but because the sons don't lose their inheritance. Well, what if I give it up? He'll chase you down. What if I just turn it over? He'll chase you down. What if I decide I don't want to here? someone to go? Your grandma's praying for you. <laughs> Your mom's praying for you. Your preacher's praying for you. You think you can run. Go read Job. He thought he could. He thought, oh man, something happened. Go read Noah. Or not Noah, Jonah. <laughs> Noah's probably in there too somewhere. God doesn't give up easy. He has a vice grip upon you. The devil wants to tell you that because of you and how messed up you are, that uh, your sins and all this, you're prying God's fingers off your life. But I'm going to tell you, he's got a vice grip on you. This inheritance, what's happening here is the assurance. It's the pattern saying, well, does that mean, are we eternally secure? We can't, we can't backslide? Uh, yeah, I guess you can backslide. But I'll just declare prophesied over you. You'll be the most miserable backslider ever the world has ever seen you'll come crawling back in saying, Pastor, please let me take community. All that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, just, you know, I'm kidding around. but Years ago, uh, they made it so easy to lose your salvation. I mean, every Sunday night, the teenagers, we had to get saved all over again because we, we lost it during the week. Huh. So you get what I'm trying to say. Your inheritance eternal. Uh, it starts now, and it never ends. Now, don't you go out and say, man, the pastor said it's okay for me to go and just do whatever I said. Oh, I did not say that. I'm not going to take the whole teaching about conviction today, but we will trust Holy Spirit will do what only He can do. Verses 19 through 20, there we, the inner workings of the Holy Spirit is what sets you apart. This isn't a doctrinal thing. Yeah, I know there are groups and they don't believe the Holy Spirit does much these days and all of that, but... You know what? The Holy Spirit's very secure. He's very self-secure. He's not, if you don't believe it, that doesn't mean, oh my goodness, I'm not gonna work here. No, he just keeps on working. Doesn't need your permission. He needs your cooperation for certain things. But the Holy, you know, what do we do about these, this bad doctrine and all this stuff out there? Well, you just pray for him, but just keep on serving God, man. That's the best thing you can do. Uh, the inner workings of the Holy Spirit is what sets you apart from the world. It's what sets us apart as kingdom people. Now, he brought me through the entrance, which was at the side gate, into the holy chambers of the priests which faced towards the north. He brought me through the entrance which was at the side of the gate into the holy chambers of the priests which faced towards the north. And there was a place, and there a place was situated at their extreme western end. And he said to me, this is the place where the priests shall boil the trespass offering and the sin offering and where they shall bake the grain offering so that they do not bring them out into the outer court to sanctify the people. What's he talking about? sanctification, that is being set aside for the purposes of God, is not an outward act. Yeah, faith works in the inside, and then it show, it's, it's, its evidence shows up on the outside. But what he's talking about here is the workings and dealings of the Holy Spirit are something that happens to you on the inside. And that what happens to you on the inside, eventually, it does come out on the outside. But it, it, it doesn't matter the outward trappings that you put on your life about, oh, I'm a believer. and all. It, it does matter, but hear me out. It's not, that, it's not that just because I go here once a week or just because I, I carry this around with me or just because I don't do what the world does. Uh, it, no, it's, it is all that, but really what it is, it's the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. It's what God's doing on the inside of you that makes all the difference. That's what he's talking about. And he said, that's not out in the open with the people. It's one of the greatest love languages of the Father is that he deals with your failures and with my failures, with all my weakness and your weakness, with those things that would bring shame on us. He deals with those with us in private, on the inner man. Yeah, you confess your faults one to another, and you're healed and all of that, and I get that, and there's that body life. But man, uh, the Father, when He comes, He loves you so much. And yeah, if you don't take His salvation or all that, there's gonna come a day when He'll shout it from the housetop and all that, but that right now, He's doing an inner dealing on people's in, in your life and in my life. Huh, years ago, I don't know, I had a word for somebody, and it was kind of specific. And... Uh, a lady came to me afterwards and she said, Do you have a word on me? And at that moment the Lord did give me a word for her. I really didn't know her. She was near the church and I just felt a quickening and I gave it to her. And she was like, Is that it? Is that all there is? And the Spirit of God quickened me at that moment. And I said, ma'am, you should be very happy at this moment that he hasn't shown me everything about your life. <laughs> the Holy Spirit just began to work deeply in her life. I don't want to know everything about your life. I'm trying to deal with all my stuff in my life. I don't need all, you know, I love you, I'm pastor, and all that. There are those things that he deals in secret with us. The inner workings of the Holy Spirit is what sets you apart, those outside the, 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 the kingdom, those outside the body, they don't get this. All they get is condemn, condemnation. That's what the devil gives and, and, and all that stuff. The heavenly pattern that reflects the house of God, the heavenly pattern over in... Revelation 21, 22. I'm not going to go into a day, go back, get the message. We kind of went through it a few weeks back. But that pattern, that reality of of, what's going, of what it is there, is reflected here. And so now I'm going to jump into Ezekiel 47, and we're going to just kind of basically do an introductory part, probably take another week or two to really get through all of this. But part three in Ezekiel 47, let me just begin to read. And then he, this, this angel, brought me back to the door of the temple. And there was water flowing. Or, and there was water. Excuse me. brought me back to the door of the temple. And now he's beginning to have this expanded revelation of the temple. What it is, there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. There is kingdom movement in the house of God. And one of the allegories, one of the types, one of the likenesses of it in the Scripture that reflects or shows or indicates that there's movement that happens inside, uh, not a building, but inside the, the body of Christ, inside of your life, my life, our lives together. And it's, and it's a pattern so often by the movement of water. Even so much so that Jesus said uh, that, you know, the Holy Spirit will come upon it and said, you're going to have like a river. I believe the correct translation is rivers, I believe, if I, if I remember that, that you're going to have rivers of living, living water flowing out of you. What, well, that's, that's supernatural, right? That's not just, there's not literally water pouring out of us. I'm going to try to illustrate that, so we just leave it. And, uh, uh, but there's rivers flowing out of us. Well, here, when, when, when Ezekiel, the prophet, when he was being shown the pattern of heaven, he said, and they brought me back to the door of the temple. You know, uh, there's a number of different ways you can kind of break this down, but one of the most correct ways to break this down on the temple is this is you you're the temple of the holy spirit this place isn't it's you your body is a temple do you know that that's what the scripture teaches that your body is the temple of the holy spirit paul said he said whenever you get saved he said you need to present your body as a living sacrifice, which is reason, which is what anybody with any sense would understand. Oh, he did this for me, that means I give this back to him. So, this kingdom movement of the house of God is that there's this, this, this sense, if you will, it's a spiritual thing, but there's this sense of things movement and flowing and, and, and things coming through your life. There's continually, uh, what does moving water do? Well, one of the things it does is it cleanses. There's a continual cleansing going on. Aren't you, you need to be glad that God continually cleans you up. Especially if you're out there much and interacting with all the stuff. Man, I mean, sometimes I just come in and I just, just, just baby, brush it off me. Just get it off me, man. It, it's rough up. The kingdom movement in the house of God. The first thing the prophet was shown was that the presence and movement and direction of the water. The temple had its own river. What makes the house of God today different than any club, fraternity, association, membership, and I, and I got no problem with church membership, but uh, I, this, this, member, this membership isn't about you signing something, it's about you giving something, you giving you, uh, giving all of you. And, and so this temple idea is that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and the Holy Spirit is what provides flow, movement, if you will, spiritual movement into your life. When you read the Word of God, it's not translated or understood in your brain like a regular book is. When you read this book, the Holy Spirit turns on the tap and His mind begins to flow into your mind and all of a sudden things that you didn't understand before now you begin to see in a spiritual life. That's the flow of the river of God flowing into your life. Cleansing, healing, refreshing, doing all those, doing all those things. And i got to keep moving because I want to get somewhere else where I'm going with this. So the first thing the prophet has shown was the present moment, in the direction of water. The temple had its own river. You see, He didn't ask us For permission to put the river in the temple it's his temple you are his temple he's not asking you permission if you're gonna let the river of God flow into your life he will just come flow now you might not like it you might resist it you might not understand it all those things I've been there and many many more But His Holy Spirit, when you became a Christian, His Holy Spirit invaded you. And I believe there's a baptism that comes where you get an, an endowment of tongues. There's all kinds of levels and gifts and all of that, and we'll we'll go through. But this whole thing that well, the Holy Spirit just doesn't do that. We just live by the Word and by faith, and that you know that that I I, don't, I guess the Holy Spirit checked out and, and um, he's not around anymore. I'm just going to tell you, the river was in the in the temple, and it still is. Whenever you feel conviction, that's the river. When you feel joy, supernatural, that's the river. When you just are so glad to be saved, that's the river. And I can just keep illustrating on and on and and I don't need to do that. Uh, you need to see what the flow of the river looks like from the outside. So verse 2, he was shown this. Verse 1, he was shown this. water flowing from under the right side of the temple to the south of the altar. Verse 2, he brought me out by the way of the north and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out of the right side. What he was showing him is that uh, you need to see what the flow of the river looks like. On the outside because the next thing that is very easy happens is we just kind of think well that river just it's just for us it's just for in here no 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 that river is in you and it flows out of your belly it's not like you don't have the 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 bonneville dam where you trap all of it and you're just going to hold it up and hold it up no no it's going to flow out of you so what's that look like? Well, I'll just throw out a couple of things. So whenever you invite everybody in town to come to your parking lot and have fun, and you do hot dogs and hamburgers and smoke up in the air and blow up the water things and do all kinds of stuff, and they come in and they're just laughing and having fun, what's really happening is you need to walk outside of it. You need to walk outside. You need to take a step back from just what God's wanting, and you need to look around and see the river of God is flowing in them. That's what this is about. That's where the river is flowing. That's where it needed. So he took Ezekiel outside the temple, and he said, hey, Ezekiel, uh, you catch this. Let all these other guys know that the river flows outside just as much as it does inside. You think God's not working out there? This world would be new tomorrow if the Holy Spirit wasn't out there working. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit holding the molas back from the button or whatever they got in Iran, they would have blown Israel, and you just go on and on and on and on. Oh, man, the devils were in the world. No, the Bible actually teaches that God's in the world. The devil is the prince and power of the air. But it's God that says, the kings are going to come and give me their glory. The good ones and the bad ones. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. How you enter, verse 3, how you enter prepares you to receive. Now, this is setting up for where he's getting ready to take the man of God. And so in verse 3, so when the man of God went out to the east with a, line, uh, with, with a line in his hand. So when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand. Think of it like this, a big long tape measure. <laughs> and he measured a 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the water. So, okay, Ezekiel, there's water inside. The temple is flowing there, but I want you to come out here and see something. There's water out here, and every 1,000 cubits. It, the water doesn't just stay steady. It's not a puddle. It's not a pond. It's not a reservoir. It's a river. One of my favorite pictures of the outreach a couple of weeks ago was the little boy, I think it a little boy, I, I, uh, a little boy, the water slides out there and water's everywhere and uh, there's kids all up and the water had run down into a kind of little low spot in the parking lot and this little boy's just sitting in the parking lot in the water. And the water just runs around. And he's just like, man, I'm so glad to be here. And I thought, I thought that's so good. The water runs and people will be attracted to it. So he said, you need to be in the water. So he went out, he measured this, and this whole idea is, and this is where I'm going to take us and and spend the next few moments and and wrap this up, but the the whole idea here is this. You need to be in the water. Now I've heard these next few verses preached a lot of different ways, and I'm not saying all my way is the best way because that's not it at all, but um, God, uh, I'm probably going to give you some, I'm probably going to say some things that maybe you haven't heard in this way before concerning this water that Ezekiel was taken into. Because it wasn't like he took him up in in the helicopter airplane and said, man, look at that river down there. It starts all small up here, and by the time it gets down to the mouth of the, uh, the Columbia gets to the mouth of the Pacific, it's great big It It's not that analogy really, I mean, that's there, but if you just try to keep it that way where the river comes out and it gets bigger, the further it goes. That's, That's one way, but there's more there to it. There's more there to it. And so he brought me through the waters. You need to be in the water. The four levels of the river. You need all four of them to flourish in your life in the kingdom. So what happened? Let's start to break it down. Verse 3, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. The first point, we've already made it several times. The heavenly messenger made sure that Ezekiel personally and individually got in the water. Now, it's good for you to watch people get in the water. Use a little analogy. It's good to see the little boy in the puddle out front and say, oh man, it's so... But uh, my friend, he wants you. Little old you. He wants you in the water. What, what, what's he really talking about? He wants you in the flow of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. In the kingdom life today, what happens in the New Testament church is every believer needs to be experiencing and be in, be in, in, in the flow of what the Spirit of God is doing in their personal life, in the corporate life, and in, the, in, in our world life. That's what... That's what the kingdom is about. It's not like, well, I'm going to live in the desert down here, and then when I get up to heaven, man, I'm going to go take a jump in the crystal river around the throne. Well, no, he wants you jumping in right now. That's what the kingdom, that's what, that's what Jesus said. It's going to flow out of you. So uh, the Holy Spirit, this first one, is at the He took me into the water, brought me through the water, and the waters came up to my ankles. The Holy Spirit level of the anchor, in the first one. The connection of the upper to the lower. The ankle is the joint that bends and swivels. It's, one of, it's, a, it's a weird joint in your body. The ankle is a very complicated part. It makes it possible for you to bend your legs, to jump, run, and walk. It means, the root word of it means to be at an angle, to be flexible. Without you being at the level of the ankle, you're going to be stiff and frozen in one spot in your walk and your experience with God. You're going to find it very difficult to move in your uh, head and your walk with God. You need to be in, in um, a, a, a position, if you will, or up under God's Holy Spirit, moving your life in, so, in such a way that the areas that you're naturally prone to, to be reserved about the things of God, to be stiff, if I can use that, to be just, I just want it this way all the time, and that's the only way. You've got an ankle that's locked up. You need to get in the flow of the Holy Spirit so that thing moves a little bit, and that you're okay with that. I prayed for a lady many, many years ago. Now, hear me out here, because this isn't about embarrassing someone. But this was back in the days. And some of you remember Sister Maul. You may be called her Belma, but to me, she was Sister Maul. Um, she was my mother in the Lord. And one of the things that, if you knew her, that, you, that when I say this, you're going to go, oh, yeah, is that her hairdo. <laughs> right? It was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. I loved it. I don't know how she got it that way. Probably took some effort and time. Brother Maul loved it that way, all that stuff. But that was a style back in the day. And, and I remember in one church I was pastoring, this lady came in, and she kind of reminded me of Sister Maul. She had that hair. And um, now I'm not trying to set something up. I'm not trying to get you to do what I'm going to say here. This is just the testimony what was happening. And so uh, we had altar calls then and people came down, and people were praying. And man, there was a while when people were just, you ever, you ever hear the term falling out, being slain in spirit? I mean, people were just being slain in spirit. We got guys and catch them and all of that. Well, there was this one lady, and she had hair like that. And she came down, and I don't know what God was doing, but he was doing something in her life. Some people were praying for her, and I looked over, and she just, she's going like this. And the catcher was there. Now, hear me out. This is We're talking about the river in the, in the church, okay? So, And, and she was She was just it 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 got to where she was backing down, she was just kind of going all over and they were and I'm like, what in the world is going on over there? And I wasn't there to rebuke the ministers or anything like that, the older workers, but I finally felt, you know, I need to go. I walk over. And I said, I said, sis, what's going on in your life? What's the Lord doing? What what's happening to you right now? She said, I can barely stand up and I just I don't want to I don't want to go down on the floor. And I said, it's gonna be all right, it's gonna be all right. You know, if we're not gonna let anybody push you, but if the spirit and she said, I don't want to mess my hair up. This is one of the few times I've ever done this in my life. But I felt God. (laughs) I just put my hand on her forehead and just push. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me, Jesus. Later on, she's up. I mean, she's got a smile on her face. I walked over and said, how are you doing? She said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. You need to be in the flow of the river. If there's something that's holding you back from what God wants to do in your life, just stop it and just say, okay, God, you can do whatever you need to do. You've got to get in the water up to your ankle where the things that would hold you back from what God wants you, you're going to stiffen up again. You need to be absolutely relaxed. As long as it's Holy Spirit, it's okay. If it's person, if it's man, if it's one, no. But if it's Holy Spirit, it's okay. The next one is, and again, so it came up to my ankle. Again, he measured 1,000 and he brought me through the waters. It wasn't enough just be in the ankles. Oh, man, I had a great experience and got a camp. Oh, that's great, but guess what? The river gets deeper the further you go. There's never one spot here, just as a side note, where he said, you know, Ezekiel, uh, you've come far enough. Just, just pitch your tent right here. Nope. Oh, we're going to go another 1,000 cubits, and guess what? You're getting in here. Ezekiel, I measured it, next 1,000. Come on, in the tank, in the river, on a tank, in the river. And so he brought me, brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my knees, the Holy Spirit level of the knees. Again, he measured and brought me up to my knees. The knee joins your thigh with your lower leg. It's the knee that enables the power from your thighs, one of the largest muscles in your body, to get to your feet. It's one of the major hinge points in your body. It determines how athletic you are and how fluid you move. It has a lot of small parts that can be damaged easily, and it has a protective cap over it. Without you being at the level of the knee, and you walk with God, in, in the in the waters you'll have you'll have limited or little power in your walking and running in the Spirit. I think the majority of Christians in America today are at the shallow end of the river. They need to get at least at least knee deep. Uh, we need to. This whole indication is is that this is where this is where power begins to be released into your walk and your lifestyle, like the ankle. If you're, if, you don't, if you're not this deep in the spirit, you're going to be stiff and you're going to move artificially. When your knee's locked up, you don't have a, a normal gait or walk. You see, what we call dignity sometime in the house of God is nothing more than stiffness and artificially religious. And I'm not talking for people to be, I mean, yeah, if God, if you roll on the floor, hey, okay, but, uh, you, know, you know me, I've been here long enough, we're not trying to make that happen, but um, don't be surprised if at some point the Holy Spirit does things that will go beyond your understanding. And trust me, uh, there's part of my testimony where I did everything in my power to resist that in my life, in my ministry, in my family, in my relatives, when they found out I was going to the ministry and all that, and then they found out it was a Pentecostal thing, and then they found out, oh my goodness, he's a holy roller. and then they, I mean, it was, yeah. I needed to get up to my knees, or I'd have been one stiff, artificially looking Pentecostal preacher. I don't know, but the knees are also greatly involved in worshiping. Your knees is where, where an outward sign of surrender is it's used in the Bible. Uh, you know, they, they would they would just get down and they would they would kneel. If your knee doesn't bend, you're gonna find it real hard. To, humble yourself and worship before god and i know what that's like to be so proud to not want when god says you need some humbling in your life you're going to need some flexibility in your knees when it comes to that point and that's what the holy spirit does you go that deep you go through those waters another side another thing that knees are used for is they're great for offensive weapons in battles i won't even illustrate this ladies but yeah you, you know, there are, in MMA, you know, there are knee strikes and there's all, you get the point, right? And he has a number of different ways that functions in you as a, you need to have every part of you, you need to be that deep in the Holy Spirit where you can have multiple types of functions. The fourth one, or excuse me, the third one in verse four is that he brought me through the waters again. The waters came up to my ankles. Then it came up to my knees, and again he measured a thousand, brought me through, and the waters came up to my waist. (laughs) We'll laugh about this a little bit, and uh, this is all spiritual, not talking about physical, but the Holy Spirit level of of going up to the waist. In the the King James Version, the word is loins. It's literally the middle part of you, the connection between your hips and your chest. It's usually the narrower, the narrowest area of your body. Usually, I didn't put in, but you know, as we grow in it, it the waste seems a bit. Uh, in the spirit, the waste stays. It's the narrowing part between the upper and lower. It's where what's going on on the inside transfers to what's happening on the outside. This area needs to be thoroughly bathed with Holy Spirit's presence. It's, it's this connection. It's here's where that connection from the inner to the outer. You see, in this part of what we would call the waist or, or the loins or the whole thing if you want to go in the reproductive part, but just this, this whole part here, this is where this is where it all happens for you to be fed, to be nourished, to uh, to uh, get rid of, of waste, to do all those things. It, it happens here. And there needs to be a connection, there is a connection between what's happening on the inside and what's happening on the outside. And if you you don't have that connection up under the influence and flow and control of the Holy Spirit, you can have movement on the outside, but be utterly sick on the inside. Remember Jesus talking to Pharisees and Sadducees? He said, you're like whitewashed sepulchers. He said, you got it all washed on the outside, but the inside is full of dead men's bones. The Holy Spirit's influence and presence coming into the inner working of your life. That's where sanctification takes place. That's where, that's where holiness is, is worked out. And and if if you just try to keep it so that the outside looks good, but you pay no attention to the inside, man, you're gonna, number one, you're not gonna know the joy of the Lord. Number two, he's not gonna let you do that the rest of your life. He's gonna he's gonna move to the inside. It's where People from outside the church say, well, I go to church, but it's full of hypocrites. Well, really what it's full of is people that have something going on on the outside, but there's nothing, the the corresponding work isn't happening on the inside. The work of God. God, I want you to do what needs to be done on the inside of me first. I don't want to play games. You don't want to either. I don't want to just have it, you know, put up the facade. Lord, I want what's on the inside. I want to be real. And what's happening on the inside, let it come out on the outside. I'm not talking about walking around all the time, spilling your guts and all of that kind of thing, but uh, there's this connection. He said, said, Ezekiel, come on, I'm going to take you into and through this water that's up to your waist. The further it goes on the inside, the deeper you're going to need to be in the water, by the way. So, in verse 5, the progression continues. And again, he measured another thousand, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, and water in which one must swim. I'm going to close with this. The uncrossable river, the deep water. Holy Spirit, this is, this is the destination where He's trying to get all of us going into the flow and the river of God inside the temple and the house of God today. We come to a place of, of deep water in that analogy or, or the uncrossable. This is a place where you must swim in this water. It's not about just waiting. It's not about just, you know, trying to keep your balance. No, this is where the Holy Spirit activity of immersion and to inundate you, is completely covers you. That's the goal of what the Spirit of God is trying to get us all to is where we get so deep in this thing that uh, uh, if, if you stop swimming, you're going to sink. That is, you're going to have to, it's going to have to, it's not your work or your function that keeps it going, but a place where uh, it takes everything in you to to stay in this thing and to be moving with it. Living for God, it's not that it's hard work, but it's total commitment. When you're in deep water, you're totally committed. Right? Did you how many remember learning to swim? They started you out, right, the ankle. Thank God your dad wasn't my dad or that you didn't have my dad as your dad because he didn't believe in shallow water. He just took me to Willow Dip, me and my brother. <laughs> and in we went. It's where I found out doggy paddling really works good. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got a new way of parenting, and yeah, he wouldn't have let us drown, but he just figured, okay, you're going to learn to swim. We're going to learn to swim, boys. Okay, man, where, what school, what teacher? Oh, I got a teacher. Now, he didn't throw us in and then turn around and walk away. No, he stayed right there. A couple hours doing that, we were swimming pretty good. You know, the Holy Spirit just not, might need to come up in your life and just push you off into the deep end of the pool. You might need to start trying to doggy paddle a little bit. To be completely covered is a scary thing to be completely covered by Holy Spirit. It can cause you to take pause. God, 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 God am, I, am I ready for this? Yeah. You have to keep moving to survive here. You see, if you're just gonna play religion, you can show up whenever you wanna show up and make it look good on the outside, but you're not really surviving and, and making headway into the kingdom of God. If you're gonna survive in, in this immersion, this inundation of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna have to keep moving. There's not a place where you get to say, okay, God, time out. Now, I know there's rest, and that's a whole different thing, but this is, this is your inner, inner life of God. God, I want to be in a place where I have to keep swimming yeah. to keep up with what you're doing in my life. Well, I don't even know if that's Bible. Okay, why don't you go to Galatians 4 and really look up what it means, the just shall live by faith. And I think that was taken out originally out of Deuteronomy or Leviticus or some way. The just shall live by faith. You'll find out that living by faith as a just person fits this analogy of you start swimming and you're never gonna stop swimming. You're gonna keep going on with God. It's the supernatural realm that you'll never exhaust You'll never explore it all. It's bigger than anything and all the things. It's really this realm of a river that he saw. Again, he measured, it was a river and I could not cross. The water is too deep. The water in which one must swim. A river that cannot be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. What he's showing him there at the end is once you get into the flow in the river of God, for all your, however many decades you got on this side of the planet, you're never gonna exhaust it. You're never gonna cross it all. You're never gonna get it all. There's more there than you can ever experience in a thousand lifetimes. So why live a boring life as a Christian and just do what you always do, why don't you say, God, I'm ready to get in the deep water and start swimming and wherever it takes me, God, I'm willing to go. Is there anybody ready? <laughs> I don't want to stay in the shallow end of the pool. I'm going to finish up with this. You were not made for the shallow end of the pool. You were not made to just stay in ankle-deep spiritual water. You were not made for it. If you're not in the part of the river where you're swimming, you'll always think those that are in that part are extreme. I guess I felt the call of God when I'm going to Bible college. Nobody paid my way. I became a welder, and that's how I paid my way through Bible college. <clears throat> but I was working with iron workers and construction men. I was 20 two, and these men were 40s and 50s, hard men, construction workers. And we ate our lunch in the same lunchroom. And I didn't know what this was about, but I remember you'd go in and you'd take your hard hand off and you'd slam it down on the table. That's what they all did at lunchtime. First I thought, we're getting ready to have a fight, something going on here. No, it was just lunchtime. They all pulled out their lunch boxes. You know, the old-fashioned lunch boxes. It had a green thermos stuck cut through a hole, you know, stuck in it, you know, cut through a hole on the side of it. I had mine carry, and one of the iron workers took my bucket when I wasn't watching and he cut a hole in the end of it and said, This is how son, this is how you properly carry a thermos. I said, What are you talking about? All right. <laughs> True story. Well, I was working there, so I go to Bible college. So we all sat down and lunch, and there an iron workers, man. I took my hard hat and just kind of <laughs> before I opened my bucket I bowed my head and I I wouldn't pray out loud. But I was praying. First time I did that about halfway through I heard him laughing. <laughs> and I opened my eyes at the end and one of the guys said are you one of those religious guys? And anyway, it started. I had to swim for my life for a little bit. It was worth every minute. Got some of them to come to church when I was preaching. And I wish I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I wouldn't. Go, I'm, I'm done. For to swim in the deep means fear has lost its hold on you. Until you get into where you have to swim in the deep or you're not going to make it, fear will always try to keep a part of you. But once you're in the deep, fear evaporates away. You remember? You remember, Liz? You remember Peter on the boat, right, in the middle of the storm? They thought it was a ghost coming to him, but it was Jesus walking in the water. They thinking they're going to die. And Peter said, is that you, Lord? And he said, yes. And he said, can I come? We well, bid you come. And, and Peter jumped out of the boat. At least there was one willing to jump out of the boat. Oh, it wasn't perfect. Yeah, he started sinking a little bit. Jesus had to catch him, pull him up. But thank God there was one disciple, one apostle that was so overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus that didn't care about the storm, didn't care about physics, didn't care about gravity, didn't care about water, didn't care. He just said, I want to be with you, Jesus, and I'm coming. That's what I'm talking about today. If that's the kind of thing that's going on in your life, let's just stand. God, I... I just want to be where you're going. I want to come. We're going to talk about the, what happens along the banks of the river next week. It's, it's amazing. But uh, uh, I, b- I believe God. It's not that this church isn't deep. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I do believe this. This is an ongoing thing that the Spirit of God keeps bringing us into. I think it's time that all of us, me top of the list, me saying I need it more than all the rest of you together, that uh, we say, Lord, we want to go deeper. We want to go. I'm ready to go deeper. I need to go deeper. It's not that I just want to go deeper. Lord, I need to go deeper. Thank you, Jesus. Shut your eyes. If that's your heart, just lift your hand to heaven. Lord, I need to go deeper into the things of God. Lord, I want to go deeper. I'm scared of being in the deep end, Lord. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm a little cautious about being in where I got to swim all the time. Lord, it's not about me having to work, but Lord, I just, there's that thing in my life where I just, I like it where it's stable and I like it where I know how it's happening and I like it where I'm in charge and i I'm like it where my feet can touch the bottom a little bit. But Lord, you're calling me out to a river that's uncrossable. You're calling me into the deeper things of God. Lord, as a church called People's Church, we're ready for that. Lord, I'm just praying that as the, as the shepherd here. Lord, we're ready for that. God, I know what your Holy Spirit's doing. is leading all of us in whatever uh, area of the river we're in, from the shallow end to the deep end. God, well, you're calling us to the next level. Lord, you're measuring it out for us and saying, come on, come on. You, you, I can get you through this one if you just follow me. God, take us as deep as you want us to go. Would you just pray that over your own life? if I sat down with probably pretty much everybody here and said, well, how deep would you like your pastor to be in the things of God? I can, just knowing people the way I do, probably most of you say, man, I want the pastor to be in as deep as he can. Man, if there's anybody gonna be swimming in that thing, i better be the pastor. Well, I'm saying, God, I wanna go deeper. But guess what, church? I don't wanna be the only one out there. You're coming with me. <laughs> I'm taking friends with me and you're it. And I know that the Holy Spirit's already been dealing with this church, already been dealing with you. We're going deeper. And we want to go deeper. We're not being made to go we with the angel. He's leading us out there. Just say, Lord, however deep I need to be, take me. Just, just let's pray that. Let's, let's finish this, sir. Lord, however deep I need to go, you get me there, God. Lord, I surrender it to you. I surrender all that I am to you. Everything about me, Lord, I surrender it to you. Um, we prayed a dangerous prayer last weekend. We're praying another. This is a very dangerous prayer. Lord, I surrender everything about however deep you want me to go, Lord. I say yes to it. You can take me there. It's a very dangerous prayer because he will lead you there. Not dangerous that he's going to leave you and forsake you. Dangerous that you're going in places you've never been before. And that's a scary place sometimes. But he'll be there. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. i right there with you. Ha The angel never left of Ezekiel's side. He was always right there. No matter what water he was in, the angel was there. As, soon as he got through that one, he said, come on, I'm going to measure it on another thousand. We're going to the next one. That's what he's doing. And not just people's church, but in our world right now. Father, say, yes, I want it all. I want to go as deep as you want to take me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let the Holy Spirit just speak. Let just the Holy Spirit deal with you and your inner, your inner person. Thank you, Jesus. I want to go deeper. Some of you you're actually dissatisfied with just being at the ankle level. You're actually dissatisfied being at the knee. I mean, you've had a good walk with God. You're, you're, there's nothing wrong. It's not, but it's just like, God, inside, there's, just, there's more God. That's, that's what this message is about. He's saying, come on, there's more. I'm going to get you to the end where it's bigger than anything you can ever imagine. And that's where you were made for, in the things of the Spirit. you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, this is your moment. I'm going to pray a dismissal prayer in just a moment. And if that's you, I'm going to be standing right down here. You need to come to me and I'm going to lead you to Jesus. Maybe you're in a place where you've kind of walked away or you're, you, you know, you need to be closer. I'm going to be down here. You need to come. I'll have some other people here too. And we'll, we'll just pray with you and pray for you. But father, I commit people's church to you right now according to this word that we've heard today. Lord, I pray that you would take this church into the deep water. You'd take us further out there into the stream of God. Lord, we would fit the pattern of kingdom living. Jesus said, "We're just as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. This is the pattern of heaven being in the, in the stream and the flow of God. We want more. Would you conclude this by praying this dangerous prayer over life? Just lay your hand and just say, more, Lord. Just, that's it. It's, that's, as, that's as complicated. More, Lord. More. More, God. I'm hungry for more. I need more. I want more. I long for more. I'm not satisfied with, with I'm satisfied with Jesus, but Lord, I want more. I want, to be in the, I want to be in this thing all in. Thank you, God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord open doors for you. The Lord release divine favor upon your comings and goings. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. God has a plan for you, ordained from before you were born. It's a good plan. It's a plan to prosper you. It's a plan to to bring his will and purposes fully into your life. It's a plan where he's in charge and you're not in charge. I release you under the full purposes and plans of God. It will astound you. It will amaze you. It will change everything about you for eternity. Lord, this place will be one of those rescue missions in Vancouver and Clark County. In Jesus' name I pray and release the people to it. Amen and amen. If you need prayer, come on down. It's A couple of our prayer intercessors, come and join me. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus or you want to rededicate, I want you to come talk to me right now.